Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Let's read from Ezekiel chapter 14. Then certain of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. And the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to the prophet, I, Yahweh, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Repent, and turn away from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel, or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart, and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him, I, Yahweh, will answer him myself, and I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword, and cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I am Yahweh. And if the prophet is deceived and speaks a word, I, Yahweh, have deceived the prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him, and will destroy him from the midst of my people, Israel. And they shall bear their punishment. The punishment of the prophet and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike, that the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor defile themselves any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God, declares the Lord Yahweh. And the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from it man and beast, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord Yahweh. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they ravage it, and it be made desolate so that no one may pass through because of the beasts, even if these three men were in it as I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon that land and say, Let a sword pass through the land, and I cut off from it man and beast, though these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my wrath upon it with blood to cut off from it man and beast, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord Yahweh, How much more, when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beasts, and pestilence, to cut off from it man and beast. But behold, some survivors will be left in it, sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you, and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be con consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, for all that I have brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. 
So God's judgment here continuing. Uh, we saw the false prophets before. Now we are moving on to the judgment against the elders of the people here in the beginning of this chapter. Some of the elders come to Ezekiel, likely to his house, as we have seen them do previously in the book already. And the Lord warns him that some of these men, perhaps all of them, right? It just says simply these men. But it did say certain of the elders. So some of the elders of the people have taken their idols into their hearts. That is a reference to just how how deeply they, they love their idols. Rather than repenting, rather than trusting in God and turning away from these things that they should not be doing, they've taken them into their hearts. These things are of great value to them, and they're not going to give them up. They have become a stumbling block to them, causing them to trip, to fall on their face in their sin, that they may, in the end, not be saved. They won't be spared. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? The answer to that question is no. The Lord is not going to take counsel with the wicked. That's the very beginning of the book of Psalms. If you read Psalm 1, verse 1, you'll see, Blessed is the man who does not take counsel with the wicked. So neither will the Lord. Instead, he's going to judge these, these pagan worshiping elders of the people. If they come to the prophet, God himself will answer. And he's going to do so, verse 5, that, here's your, here's your reason clause, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel. So we see God is seeking after his people. He's going to call them to repentance in this very next verse, right? Verse 6, repent and turn away from your idols. Turn away your faces from all your abominations. So here are the people already in exile, already in Babylon, and the call to repentance is right there for them, right there before them. And what happens when we repent? The Lord forgives. The Lord is merciful. The Lord will deliver his people. And all of that is coming for the people of God who are living in Babylon. But we're not done with the judgment yet. Anyone of the house of Israel or strangers who sojourn. So Israel as a nation had its own people, but they also had plenty of outsiders who had come and settled among them. And those too, some of them taken off into exile now. But whoever separates himself from God, so whoever seeks to cling to his idols, verse 8, God is going to set himself against that man he will be a sign, a byword among the nations, among the people. A warning, in essence, that they will see what the Lord has done and that they themselves will repent, having seen his judgment upon these first ones. Cut off is the really the promise that God has made in regards to his covenant, in regards to his promised land and, and his law, that if the people do not follow him, he will cut them off. You think of a tree, if, if God's people, if God's house and his nation was a tree, to be cut off from that tree means you're dead. You, you've been removed. You're gone. And that picture gets picked up in the New Testament as well by the Apostle Paul as he writes in Romans. This whole section, you can talk about repentance with your children. What does this teach us about repentance? Repentance. 
we we need to turn away from our idols, the things that fill our hearts and trust in God alone. So you can talk about some of those idols that you see in your own lives together and how you can repent and trust in Christ for that forgiveness that he gives. Verse 9 is probably the hardest one of the chapter, in, in my opinion. If the prophet is deceived, so we just had the false prophets yesterday, remember that, and speaks a word, I, Yahweh, have deceived that prophet. You think of something like verse 23, you shall no more see false visions nor practice divination. We saw that a couple of times in, in that text, that God is taking away the false prophets. Their visions will no longer happen. Um, so there's only going to be, perhaps, a select few. Jeremiah, Ezekiel are a couple of examples of that, that the Lord actually will speak through. But rather, if these false prophets continue to try to speak, they have been deceived by God himself. That's a challenging statement. But it reminds us that ultimately the Lord is in control of all things. He is the one who creates life. He is the one who can take life. He is the one who, well, restores, but also judges. Condemns, but also saves. And the Lord in his judgment will have decided that that prophet deserves the penalty of false prophecy, which is his own death. So he would be destroyed by the hand of God. Tough verse, but there's a reality to it. They shall bear their punishment, both the prophet and the inquirer, so the one who thinks they can talk to God through this false prophet, they will both be destroyed. Why? Verse 11, again, same thing, that the people of Israel, the house of Israel, will stop going astray, that they won't defile themselves with their sins, that they will be God's people and he will be their God. So you see all through verse 11 there, that's, that's God's aim, right? He does not desire the death of the wicked, but that they turn from their wicked way and live. This is what we see so often from the Lord as we talk about his covenants and his promises. There is mercy with God. Even in his judgment, there is mercy for those who, who are yet to be judged, which is an incredible thought. We then get a fourfold repetition emphasizing just how well just how evil the land has become so when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly i stretch out my hand against it break its supply of bread send famine cut off even if these three men were there they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness two notes on that first it should bring you back to Genesis, I believe it's chapter 18, where Abraham barters with God to save Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that? You know, if there are 40 righteous people and he just keeps whittling the number down, if there's but, if there's but 10 righteous people in the city, would you really destroy it? And the Lord saying that he would spare it on behalf of those people. 
turns out there weren't that many and so the Lord does destroy those cities anyway. The referent here is, is quite similar. So the Lord is saying that even on behalf of Noah, Daniel, and Job, if they all three lived in Jerusalem, at this point, he still wouldn't spare Jerusalem. They are that far gone. He would spare those three. So that's the idea of the remnant, right? Jerusalem will be destroyed, but a remnant will be preserved. So why these three? Why these three mentioned? You can talk about them with your children, right? See what they remember about these three men. You got Noah from Genesis chapters 6 and following, who the Lord spares through the judgment of the world, through the flood, um, by the ark. And you also have with Noah his three sons and their wives, and Noah's wife as well. So you have seven additional ones to Noah. In Daniel's day, Daniel in the lion's den, a common story that our children get familiar with. You have the, the way that Daniel's faith ends up impacting the king. And in Job's day, Job's faith, which admittedly struggles through everything he endures. Daniel and Job have their own book names, by the way. If you need to know where to find them, go to their associated names there. Job, through all of that, ends up repenting, trusting in God, and gets to forgive his friends, too. So again, you can talk about their stories more in depth than we just did. Don't have time for that in the episode today, and that's okay. Um, again, they've got their own books of the Bible. We'll study them when we get to those points. There's not enough righteousness. There are not enough righteous people left in Jerusalem for God to spare it. In fact, we know that there is no one righteous, no, not one, according to Romans. And the Lord destroys the city. There, he does save a remnant who still trust in him, however. And so that's part of what's coming up in the next paragraph then. As we get to verse 21, as God des describes again this fourfold judgment of sword, famine, beast, and pestilence. Verse 22, he says, There will be some survivors who will be left, and they will come out, and Ezekiel will see them, and he will be consoled by them. Ezekiel twice in the book already has mourned and essentially questioned, you know, challenged the Lord if he would really wipe out the entirety of his people. And this is that consolation, that Ezekiel's question is being answered. God will spare some And Ezekiel will see them. And they will they will come to him. You know, everybody's coming into exile here. And they will be God's people together. And you shall know, the end of the chapter, that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord Yahweh. The Lord has not been without cause. He did not just judge randomly. The people have been provoking him. They have provoked his wrath with their idolatry for generations. 
and the Lord was patient. He bore with them. He challenged them. He called them back to himself over and over through many and various prophets, and yet they insisted on taking their idols into their own hearts and being a stumbling block not only for themselves but also for others. And it was time for the judgment to come. Now, you could, uh, you could turn that into a question for your children um, of this last verse. What was God's cause? What had Israel done? What had Jerusalem done that the Lord is right in doing what the Lord has done? It's a good thing for your children to be able to recognize that sin deserves judgment. Because it's by recognizing that very reality that we see the beauty of Christ. That he delivers us from our sin. And that rather than condemning us in his judgment, he saves us. That is similar to this remnant that Ezekiel sees. The Lord spares some, he rescues some, and we know the greater rescue that lay ahead for all those who trust in God.